Hello, Jazz Session listeners. I am Jason Crane, host of the Jazz Session, announcing the 100 by 300 campaign. That's right, my goal is to get 100 members by the 300th show to keep the Jazz Session going, and you can join very easily. Just visit thejazzsession.com and click on either the join link at the top of the page or the one on the side of the page. There are monthly levels starting at 10 bucks a month. There are yearly levels starting at $110 a year. Please join the people who have already become members and help keep the Jazz Session going. The Jazz Session receives no external funding from any source uh, up to and including All About Jazz, and that means for me to keep doing it, I need you. Thousands and thousands of you listen to every show, and if you could find the uh, the cost of maybe two cups of coffee uh, a month in your couch cushions, you can help keep the show going for years to come. That is the 100 by 300, 100 members by the 300th show. Join now at thejazzsession.com. Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Every episode of the show is available for free at uh, thejazzsession.com. And if you go there, you can also become a member. And I hope that you will. Uh, It's a great way to make sure that this show keeps coming to you uh, for years and years to come. I want to thank uh, the most recent member of the show, uh, Jason Linnell. And Jason, I hope I pronounced your last name correctly. Uh, thanks to Jason. I think we're now up to 16 members, maybe, on the way to uh, 100 by the 300th show. So uh, please do sign up. You can do it for as little as 10 bucks a month um, or $110 a year. And then there are levels up to $50 a month and $500 a year. And uh, at either of those levels, you get mentioned on every single show. So if you uh, would like to be mentioned on every single show of the Jazz Session as an official sponsor... That's the way to do it. I've said uh, many times on this show that there are some records that you put on and right from the first couple seconds you know that this is something you're going to have to listen to. And uh, this record is no exception. It's Gerald Cleaver and his band Uncle June. The new album on Fresh Sound, New Talent is called Be It As I See It. And I think you're going to hear that right from the first couple of seconds it gets your attention.
My guest is composer and drummer Gerald Cleaver. He and his band Uncle June have a new album on Fresh Sound, New Talent, called Be It As I See It. And uh, it's great to have Gerald on the show. Thanks for being here. Oh, my pleasure, Jason. Thank you. This is uh, an album I've listened to uh, quite a few times now, and it seems like every time I hear it, uh, I find something new. There just seem to be uh, hidden depths in addition to all the stuff that's on the surface. And I thought maybe we could start by talking a little bit about the the kind of genesis of this record, how you got the idea. Uh, maybe you can tell folks the topics that you kind of discuss musically on this record and how you got the idea to make an album centered around them. Okay, well, the, the concept uh, of the band Uncle June really uh, started back in, uh, ni- uh, not 19, but uh, 2004 with uh, Craig Tabor and, believe it or not, originally uh, Charles Gale was, was the... Uh, was sort of my uh, secret weapon, if I, I'll say it <laughs> like that. Uh, and it's connected to the South. It's connected to black folks coming up North, black migration. Uh, c- considering both my parents really have Southern roots, as do most uh, black folks in America, uh, simply trying to connect myself with uh my people in in the sense that uh, uh wanting to find an artistic way to to talk about say one single solitary type of journey which is uh more like i said in my in the release uh notes it's more fanciful it's not really a factual journey but it's a, it's a story of of countless uh, uh, families, black families, uh, over the last uh, 60, 70, 80, 100 years in, in the United States. So that's, that's sort of the Reader's Digest version of it.
Gerald, when you were growing up, were those southern roots still alive for you? Did you still have family living down south? Did you travel down there? Or was it something more embodied in the way that your parents lived or the stories that they told? Well, I've, I've toured a very limited, in a very limited fashion in the south. Um, but even or not, I have not really properly visited the south. But yeah, I have family members down there that are like distant cousins or whatever, don't really know them. My mom's from Mississippi. Uh, most everybody is is up north. Uh, but it's just the, uh, generally speaking, the connection, knowing uh, my grandparents and, and they they came from the south. And uh, my my great grandmother on my on my mother's side, you know, that's that's about as deep as it gets. As well as uh, you know, just uh, growing up with other friends who ha- had exactly the same type of cultural uh, uh, assimilation, you know. So that that's that's really that's really it, you know. And when you decided to put together Uncle June. Um, which, if I'm not mistaken, is the nickname that your cousins had for your dad. Is that right? Yeah, right. Okay. My uh, the, the cousins on my dad's side call him Uncle. Still do call him Uncle June because he's a junior, and that's uh, and so when he was a kid, uh, his nickname was June, and so thus he became Uncle June. And uh, I, I that just that's such a just that in one itself is is something that I feel like is sort of lost in this time, and uh, it just reminds me of, uh, of, of uh, something that would come out of uh, you know like a uh, Mark Twain book or something. And so, when you decided to put a band together that was going to be informed by this idea of the Great Migration and the Southern Roots. Um, of many black families in America, how did, how did you go about kind of connecting uh, the music, if you did, uh, to that concept? I mean, was there some, like there are, you know, the titles sometimes have programmatic elements to them or whatever, but did you have some kind of concrete means of embodying those ideas? Well, the, uh, the, the, uh, the main piece of the, of the CD, which is Fence and Post, which is written for my mom and dad. It's connected to this idea and always was. Uh, and it was actually started 10 years ago. I started writing it uh, around 2001.
what it what that's connected to is 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 really everything that I grew up with, uh, and, and but not in a very specific way. It's it, it that piece in and of itself is a lot of things. It's a basically like a thank you to my parents. Uh, even the name Vincent Post is is really it speaks about the. Um, the protection that I felt as a kid, uh, and and I just wanted to say thank you. And I felt that same thing from my from my extended family, even going into uh, the woman who became like my third grandmother, Ruby Ritchie, who I dedicated one of those uh, pieces in the suite to, who was originally my my babysitter even before I can remember and then through the years she simply became like another grandmother so it's not it's not specific in in terms of like I sat down and I said okay I'm going to trace these roots I didn't want to do it in that kind of in that kind of way like a John Carter type album uh sweet you know you know the music John Carter yeah it's funny that's one of the things I was thinking of when I was uh getting ready for this interview well, you know, he did he did it in what I would say a more scholarly, exhaustive type of way because he he explored these ideas of across several records, uh, and that's definitely an influence on me because I, I I listen to his music. Uh, I connect to that what I felt like he was trying to do and this is simply just more of a personal expression speaking compositionally of of many points of 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 remembrance simply a way for me to remember uh, what I came out of and and sort of uh, say thanks to to my parents who are both still alive and to all the ones who have gone on uh, that that I that I couldn't say thank you to personally but I'll do it in this fashion make very effective use of sound collages, particularly of voices, um, in a couple different places on this record. Were those uh, recordings that you made specifically for this purpose? Were they snippets of conversations you'd recorded? How did that come about that you had those voices on tape? Oh, that that was all post-production. So in live performance, I would do this myself, basically. And also my, my wife, John Carla Rodea, uh, would step in 
in and help me to do this 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 mash of a voice sound, which is exactly right. I mean, it, the the text is important, but it's more simply the sound. It's another sound. I I I love texture of all sorts, so I just I wanted to use my voice in the same way that I I play the drums. And to add the fact that in speaking words, it gives it simply gives yet one more context that that you have to deal with and think about. And um, you can pick you can pick out certain things uh, in in those in those songs. I'm talking about like you can hear certain phrases or whatever, but you can't hear everything. And I, I like that because it's almost like there's this that that represents this this uh this conversation this dialogue that has gone on for years and years and years uh among uh African Americans about anything you know like it just just almost like the idea of of peeking into somebody's window while they're eating dinner. You know, like you, you just get a, like a snippet of what, what the life is like, what the family life is like. And <clears throat> say if, uh, a song like He Said, where uh, three different distinct voices, there's the voice of Uncle June, my, my father, there's uh, my wife's voice, and there's my voice. And we're we are all reciting one specific text, but we all—we're all doing it in our own fashion. And to bring that together uh, is uh, just—it just um, to me, it, it what it points out is the idea of this collective individuality. You know, like we're all on the same road. We're all—we all have the same experiences, but we—we. We, we take them in differently and we spit them out differently. He said, 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 he said I see, he said, I see, creative, I see, the I see, creators, creators, the I see, creators, feeling up. Filling up with good things. You've included uh, the text to He Said and to Love um, in the liner notes of this record. I wonder if I could get you to read He Said. Do you have a copy of the record there? Oh, you mean the, uh, just the, uh, the, the text itself? Yes. Oh, sure. He Said... I see, the eyes see, craters filling up with good things falling down. Just because you said it doesn't mean you mean it. Unless, of course, you said it and you mean it. Now as I see it, now as eyes see it, all that is left, truth, solid truth.
all that is left, truth, telling truth. Yeah, I really like that. And I, I like the idea of, of the record, which seems to uh, tell a kind of truth, even though there is not really an, a clear narrative element. You know, no one, no one could listen to this record and write down what happened. Uh, but yet you get the idea that there's some truth being told about, you know, the lives of you and your family and, and how you relate to them. Oh, thank you. I'm glad uh, it comes across. This uh, this band is just really fantastic to to speak about the the musical aspect for a minute. Could you just tell folks that you mentioned a couple of them in passing? But can you tell people who's on this record with you? Uh, all old friends. Uh, Andrew Bishop plays uh, many rude instruments. He plays uh, flute, uh, clarinet, bass clarinet, soprano saxophone, tenor saxophone. Chloe Mallaby plays soprano and tenor saxophone. Matt Maneri plays viola. Craig Claiborne plays piano and uh, keyboards, various electronics. Drew Gress plays bass. And then there's uh, my wife who uh, who speaks and sings on a couple of things, uh, Jean-Carlo Rodea. Ryan Max Styler plays guitar on a piece. And the engineer, Andy Taub, plays banjo on one piece. And that's the band. In addition to my dad, who also recites on uh, his song, he said. When I, uh, when I mentioned, I think it was on Twitter, that uh, I was interviewing you, um, one of the musicians who I'm uh, friends with there commented it's just amazing looking back over his rec this person's record collection how many of his favorite albums you are on and i think the same is true for me there's just so many great records that have been made uh over the last decade or whatever it is that uh when you flip over the record and see gerald cleaver it's no surprise if the music inside is good and i i wonder do you feel is that a slow has that been a slow progression for you to the point where you now can work in many different projects did it happen quickly for you was there a break or was it just one of those uh, you know, you build up connections over time. How how do you see your your kind of entry to the the place that you're at now? Well, first of all, thank you. I appreciate that, Jason. Uh, well, it, yeah, it's it's it was a slow build up. It's always been the same, though. Uh, one of the great benefits of growing up in Detroit is I didn't have any boundaries. It's a great, as you know, music town. Uh, very deep. Uh, I felt like I got a great grounding in the, what I'll call sort of like the traditional jazz uh, milieu, but uh, I could do anything and uh, without without any kind of judgment. So it's sort of what I've always done. I'm just doing it. On a, on a wider scale now because this is New York and it's easier to to jump off from here. But uh, the, the thing I'll say is it's been, uh, I, I feel very fortunate because it's been easy for me to, to stay myself. I haven't felt like I'm, I've been put in any sort of box. Everything I've been involved in, I, I really loved and uh, felt connected to. I, I, I feel like I feel extremely fortunate to be able to create music in this kind of fashion because uh, uh, I feel like I, I when I know my voice and I have. 
platform by which to be able to to put my put my ideas forward, both as a side man and now as a leader. So, like, for instance, the the few records I've done. First one was Adjust, which is very similar in certain ways to Be It As I'll See It. And then the the second one I did was uh, a tribute to Detroit, more so a tribute to the people who inspired me, like Roy Brooks, uh, uh, George Goldsmith, uh, you know, several, you know, several people. And and then uh, along came Farmers by Nature, which is a collaboration from friends, uh, William Parker and Craig Tate, and then this one. So it's it's just uh, everything that I'm I'm doing is it it feels easy and it feels like myself. So uh, I'm 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 just super grateful about it. It sounds like people work with you because of who you are, not because they need you to be something else. Yeah, I think so. You know, like, and I know every musician sort of goes through this thing. Like, I've been in New York now for, this is my ninth year. Uh, and uh, in, the, in the earlier days, you know, like, I get called to sub for this person and that person. And they were all interesting and good things. But it didn't take long for me to be able to to be called simply for myself. And uh, um, it's it's all uh, like a it's all been like a, a really really interesting learning process. Particularly simply getting to New York, it just I, I think it makes you focus even more on what it is that you really want to do. Because if you don't, it, it's easy to just get pulled in many directions or go under. I'm talking about like artistically, musically, just like you, I feel like you have to really define yourself more so in every way, you know, like in, in terms of, of, uh, uh, like your direction and, and honing your craft. It's just like you gotta be serious because nobody's waiting for you to, to do anything here. You know, if, it, if it's going to be done, if you want to see it done, you have to do it. And uh, I mean that in the best sense, not just in a in a financial sense, but like a in a heart type sense. You know, you really gotta you gotta sort of define your soul in a in a place like this.
correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding of your history is that you made a, a conscious decision about nine years ago to move from a career that was a mix of academia and performance and, and really focus strictly on performance. Uh, so first of all, I guess, is that is that accurate? And if so, why did you make that decision? Well, I graduated from University of Michigan with a music education degree in 1992. And the reason I did that is because I didn't want to starve while I was trying to get to the point I'm at now. So my desire was always to be doing what I'm doing now. Um, and I and I really uh, like teaching, and I feel like I have skills for it. Uh, but my heart is in performing. So I slowly, simply made my way to this. You know, like everything that every every move that I made was sort of designed to get me to the place where I can sustain myself artistically uh, and I have no definitely no regrets because I, you know like I'll say that my first job as a public school um, a middle school music teacher was the hardest job I've ever do in my life but I'd do it again if I had to and uh, good things out of that some kids went to music school uh, ultimately and hopefully they're they're making their work in music um, and the uh, work that I did as a as a um, professor like say at University of Michigan I, I have no regrets about any of it uh, but every job that I took what it made me realize is I had to do what I'm doing now and uh, this is where I find my greatest satisfaction. Gerald, I know uh, people in the New York City area have uh, quite a few chances coming up uh, toward the end of January uh, to see this band in person. Uh, can you talk about some of those gigs that are coming up? Oh, yeah. We're going to do our our uh, full June Be It and Rest Heed release, which is uh, set for January 25th. So we have several performances uh, organized. The first one will be on January 26th at uh, Barbez in Brooklyn. And then the 27th, we're going to play at The Stone, Lower East Side. And uh, 29th and 30th will be at Cornelia Street Cafe in, uh, in the West Village. Uh, my guest is Gerald Cleaver. He's a composer and a drummer, and he's got uh, a really fantastic new record that I, I highly recommend called Be It As I See It with his band Uncle June. It's on Fresh Sound New Talent. It uh, comes out on January 25th, and uh, links to uh, find that album will be on the show notes of thejazzsession.com. Gerald, it's been uh, a real joy for me to hear this music and uh, a great pleasure to talk to you. I thank you for taking the time to do it. Likewise, Jason. Thanks so much for the, for the time.
That's music from Gerald Cleaver and his band Uncle June. The album is called Be It As I See It on Fresh Sound, New Talent. I'm Jason Crane. This is The Jazz Session, presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Every episode of the show is at thejazzsession.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Jason D. Crane, and The Jazz Session has a Facebook group as well. And there's a newsletter, and in fact, um, being on the newsletter or being on the Facebook group uh, is a great way to know about things like CD giveaways that happen from time to time on the show. My thanks to the Respect Sextet. They recorded the theme music for this program. Uh, in addition to a bunch of great albums, you can find all of their music at respectsextet.com. And thanks also to Dave Vrabel, who designed the show's logo. Please get out there and support live jazz whenever and wherever you can, and come back next time for another conversation about jazz on The Jazz Session. Thank you for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.